Welcome back to this week's Emily Show. Today is a wild story of like law and murder and and lawyers embezzling funds. It's like Tom Girardi, but even crazier. I don't even know how to describe it other than that. It is a story that I became aware of because so many of you pointed out to me on social media. I am not from South Carolina. I know those of you that are South Carolinians, (laughs) we're going to go with that, have asked me to cover this. And after Alex Murdaugh's arrest late last week, I was like, okay, what's the tea? And down the rabbit hole I went, there is so much information. There are five different um, homicide investigations going on, it seems, connected with this, or at least five suspicious deaths will go with that. There are a multitude of lawsuits and two different arrests. It's a whole lot. It's a whole lot. This is going to be a movie, and down the road, you're going to be like, ah, I heard about this. I know this. It's It's literally just so crazy. You cannot write it. Sometimes truth is stranger than fiction. I wish that was my quote. It's not. It's bad religion. We should just get into today's episode because there, I say this every week, there's so much to cover. I'm going to be covering the timeline of everything that's happened today. And I've pulled up a lot of the different legal documents spanning multiple counties in South Carolina just to give myself kind of footing. I don't always know how the news portrays things versus how I would characterize them after looking at the legal documents. Remember when all of the media said that Britney's dad had resigned when the legal documents said that's actually not what he was doing? This is why. This is why I love going to the documents myself to get a grip on what's being said within those documents. And we pulled a lot of them. South Carolina, bless you for not charging for legal documents. I will follow many cases in your your fine state because, um, yeah, it's it's much appreciated versus like Nevada that charges a dollar per page. Uh, You know, legal commentator life. (laughs) I'm not complaining. I actually love it. But it's really, really nice to be like, oh my God, really? Thanks, y'all. This has made things so much easier. So let's get into today's show. We've got a lot to talk. We've got a lot to talk about. Hey there. Welcome to The Emily Show. I'm your host, Emily D. Baker, badass lawyer and everyone's favorite legal commentator, breaking down the legal shit in the news and pop culture stories you want to talk about. I've been a licensed attorney for over 15 years. I'm a former prosecutor and I'm a big fan of the cursey words. So let's break it down. I just have to say, our little independent podcast over here, and yes, The Emily Show is an independent podcast. We are lucky to have sponsors. We have a sponsor today, and that has really helped me sustain the podcast and the level of research that I do. But we are an independent podcast. I'm not affiliated with iHeartRadio or Spotify or anything like that. So it means the world to me, not only when you leave reviews, but when I see the podcast doing well. And we hit top three in entertainment news in the US. You guys, I am blown away because I feel like as much as we are also news commentary, aren't we an entertainment news podcast at this point? Like really, 
with the amount of pop culture that we talk about, I feel like we're in entertainment news. Um, we have ranked in Canada and Great Britain. We heard to- we hit top five entertainment news podcasts in Great Britain. And that is the way that they categorize it on iTunes. So everyone who's like, but is it great? Yes, that's how they categorize it. I mean, we hit we hit top five in Canada. I'm just I'm blown away by your support for the show. And I wanted to share a few of the um, reviews that made me giggle this week. Uh, They get parsed out differently depending on where they're coming from. And if you're in the U.S., you can't see the reviews from other countries. And I have to go into other things to see reviews in the country. But I'm going to tell you a few more places where we're ranking just because I'm so thankful to our listeners all over the world. But we're top 10 in Australia. We are in the top 50 in Germany. In the top 50 in South Korea, we hit top 100 in entertainment news in France. We are ranking in Sweden and Spain and Brazil and Russia. Hey, Russia, what's up? Thanks for listening. And we are ranking in Mexico and Norway and Ireland and Denmark and Japan and the Netherlands and New Zealand and Italy and Switzerland and Saudi Arabia and Austria and South Africa and Belgium and Poland and the Philippines and Hong Kong and Argentina and Singapore and Israel and Finland and Chile and Taiwan and Hungary. (laughs) and the Czech Republic, um, and Slovenia, and Nigeria, uh, and Guatemala. Thank you all. Oh, and Latvia. Thank you all so much as I'm like scrolling through where we're ranking on entertainment news. And some of those we are ranking just in the news category as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your support. Two of the, um, Reviews I wanted to share. One comes from Germany, one from Canada. The first one says, Lawnards, rejoice. First off, great podcast. You're given legal tea, entertainment tea, legally tea, <laughs> fact tea. <laughs> I love that. Emily is funny, not always concise. Facts. Con- concise is not what we do here, but I love her tangents and side notes. Thank you so much. I am sometimes embarrassed by them, but I appreciate that. Her expertise is invaluable, breaking down interesting lawsuits to the everyday person. Her 15-year background as a prosecutor gives you an inside perspective in how, who, what is meant in all briefs. She covers fascinating stuff, in my opinion. I love the caveat, fascinating stuff in my, it's like my opinion. If you are into media and social media, all platforms, news, this podcast is a must. Thank you, Juicy Woozy in Germany. I appreciate that. And our next um, review comes from Mr. Roachuk in Canada. I can't believe I didn't see this review. This is an older review, but I just saw it. And I was like, oh, love podcast of the year. Thank you. Like we're going to keep speaking that into the universe. This is the first podcast I actually got into Emily D Baker and her brand of facts. Not fuckery is everything that was missing from my life. Thank you. Emily is intelligent with a great sense of humor. Oh, you'll find her breaking down the law in easy to understand terms that apply to our everyday life from sensitive legal topics to legal hot topics. Emily's not afraid to discuss anything and she does it with such genuine refreshing grace. That's so sweet. She has an amazing voice. Why? Thank you. And honestly, you could listen for hours and not even realize Wednesdays have never been so good. Thank you for the very kind reviews. I mean, today we're getting into all kinds of wildness and with, with respect, look, with this case, there is some really deeply tragic stuff that has happened. And the thing I kept focusing on is with regard to Alex Murdoch, and we will get into that, but he lost a wife and son in a shooting at his home that looks like a murder. They have not arrested anyone. There have been other suspicious deaths. 
other DUI-related deaths, but he has one remaining son that now has a mother and brother that have been killed and a father that is in custody and will probably be in prison. And as I've covered this, that is, you know, that is one of the people that I feel for very deeply in this story. And as we get into it, just there are a number of children um, and families left devastated in kind of the wake of everything that's happened in this story. And I can't cover it without letting you know where my mind is because it's a fantastical and wild and like, you know, made for TV kind of journey. But there are families that have suffered so much loss. And that is something that always um, kind of plays on my mind. And yes, with I was an LA County Deputy District Attorney for 10 years. Um, and, and it's one of the things my brain goes to is is all of the the ripple effect of what has happened here. And some Murdoch's directly involved and some is, you know, suspicious. Some is, I don't know yet. And I don't think we're going to know yet. But this is a story where it's like, oh, we're in now. Lawnards, Lawnards, we're into this now. This is this is where we're at. So let's get into this timeline. First of all, this, I am not hugely familiar with South Carolina. I have not been to South Carolina, but this story just seems like Southern old money families that have been in the U.S. for generation on generation that have been prominent in their community for generation on generation. They're, the men in their family has served as solicitor of the 14th Circuit, which covers Allendale, Buford, Colton, Hampton, and Jasper counties in the low country of South Carolina. That's kind of like being the district attorney. They are the solicitors and they held that position. Their family held that position from 1920 to 2005. So if that tells you what kind of entrenched in the society this family is, this is a prominent old Southern family. And it's stuff that I look. I'm from Southern California. My parents are from Jersey and Pennsylvania. And before that, most of my family immigrated to the U.S. Like, we don't have roots and communities like that. And though I lived in Southern California, it's not quite like the established families in Southern California are different than established families in the South. And so it's something that I have this very like gone with the wind <laughs> notion of, which I I say jokingly, but really I, it's you can conceive of it as related to pop culture and television. Like, oh, these are proper Southern families that have been here for generations. It's like that, that can't relate, not my world. So that is kind of the backdrop that we are dealing with. I'm just going to put a warning here. We are going to be talking about murders, suicides, insurance fraud, embezzlement, murder for hire schemes. DUIs, it's it's a lot. So just so you know, these are these are the topics that we're covering. No, we're not a true crime channel, but we do talk about legal malfeasance. And this is like lawyer malfeasance with a whole lot of other shit going on. And it just, when I started breaking down this timeline and looking at all the different lawsuits, I'm like, oh my God, how, what? There is so many questions still. It starts really in July 2015 when a young man named Stephen Smith is found dead 10 miles from the Murdaugh home. His mother reports um, that the story she got from police kept changing. It seems now, well, we'll get to the timeline when this, this investigation is reopened. This investigation has now been reopened. Like, don't worry, this is reopened. The story she kept getting from police kept changing. 
Um, he was found on the side of the road. There was a big disagreement between the coroner and the pathologist about cause of death. It was ruled a hit and run. It has been reopened. It seems that perhaps it was not a hit and run, and we will get into that. The FBI wanted to investigate this this death and was shut out by local uh, law enforcement. So with this being now reopened, we will talk about how that all ties in when we get there. But that is the first kind of the first event in this timeline that leads up to current events. Then in February 2019, Paul Murda, the 19-year-old son, crashes the family boat into a pier at night going more than 30 miles an hour. And a 19-year-old that's on board that boat is killed. Two others are injured. He is eventually charged and pleads not guilty to three felony charges coming from that boating under the influence. There were six people on the boat when it crashed. Um, all teenagers. And there were a few media reports that had gotten this wrong. The boat was owned by the father. And there are lawsuits stemming out of this boat crash, multiple lawsuits that are ongoing that we will get to when they are filed, because I'm going to talk about things in the timeline. Otherwise, I will tangent myself out into the wind and we will never get through the timeline. But that boat crash has large implications, not just for the young woman, Mallory Beach, that lost her life, but also for the other young men um, and women that were involved in that crash that lost a friend that also had some interesting um, experiences with Alex Murdoch, the dad, when they were all at the hospital after the crash. It took a while for law enforcement to charge Paul Murdoch. It looks like Alex Murdoch, well, as I, as I say, I'm not going to jump ahead and then I jump ahead, um, told some of these teens to zip it with regard to who was driving the boat and what they saw. It seems that he was trying to perhaps influence what they told police. That's all bad. But Paul Murdoch is charged with that boating under the influence. And when you boat under the influence and kill someone, you can be charged just like if you're driving under the influence and kill someone. Look, don't operate machinery and drive and drink. Don't do that. That's just, nope. That's a big nope, um, says the woman who prosecuted way too many DUI-related homicides. Um, during a period of my, <laughs> during a period of my prosecutorial life, it's always sad because it's just, it's just, it's just all, it's all, it's always bad. It is always bad and tragic for those involved. Um, this also said from someone who lost, um, someone that she knew in a, why am I talking about myself in the third person, uh, in a DUI related car crash that was just, you know, it, it's one of those things that stays with you. But in that crash, they were hit by a drunk driver. The drunk driver was not one of them. I can't imagine how scary that must have been for the individuals on the boat, knowing that somebody was drunk and driving way fast at night. And you can't always see peers at night. So that's, the, I'm off of the soap. I'm off of the soapbox about drunk driving. Look, there are so many services where you can get things delivered to your home, including alcohol. There is just, stay in. Just, just, Stay in. We're going to get to that in a minute when we get to today's sponsor, but just stay home. It's not hard. Just after a month after the boat crash, so on March 29th, 2019, the estate of Mallory Beach, the young woman who was killed in that boat crash, sues a whole group of people. Sues the store that sold the alcohol, sued the father that owns the boat, sued the older son because it was his driver's license that was being used to buy alcohol, sued the family trusts and other things over uh, the death of their daughter and over 
you know, all the contributing factors, the selling of the alcohol. So they really are going after that wrongful death. And that suit is still pending. We're going to then kind of fast forward into 2021. On June 7th, 2021, Maggie Murdaugh, the mom and wife, and Paul Murdaugh, the then 22 who was driving the boat in 2019, were shot uh, execution style at the family's hunting estate. Alec Murdaugh discovers them, calls in their death. There is uh, footage or audio of the 911 call in multiple reports online. I'm going to link some of the source materials and videos that I went through when I was compiling this timeline. And he became a person of interest in that case. And that was really disclosed by his attorney. The investigation into that case is ongoing. Uh, He does have an alibi during the time he was visiting his mother. His mother has dementia. The caregiver was there. So there were multiple people that saw him, but he was noted as a person of interest in the case, which is very interesting. So this would have been... um, like a month before Paul Murdaugh was set to stand trial on that boating-related DUI. Then June 10th, like the hits just keep coming. On June 10th, Alex Murdaugh's father passed away. And, you know, it's just, I can't imagine the emotional, like, upset leading up to this. Like, you lose your wife and your son, and then you lose a parent in a week. I just can't fathom it. Um, so when I'm looking at all of this running up, I'm like the, I can see why the later decisions are made and I can see why anyone going through this level of, uh, major life disruption and this level of major life events and horribly, horribly devastating life events would struggle. I can see that. But as we get into the struggle, it seems that some of those struggles have been going on for quite a while. So, wow. Just wow. On June 23rd, 2021, the investigation from 2015 is officially reopened. In a statement from the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, which is called SLED, so so you will hear that if you watch other reports about this, their spokesperson, Tommy Crosby, I love adults named Tommy. Like you give me a Tommy or a Jimmy and I'm just, I'm, I'm tickled. I think it's great. Anyway, Tommy Crosby confirmed, quote, SLED has opened an investigation into the death of Stephen Smith based upon information gathered during the case of the double murder investigation of Paul and Maggie Murdoch. Now in 2015, Smith's mother told the guardian that she believed that the killing of her son was not a hit and run, that it was a hate crime. He was an openly gay uh, teen. He had told her that he was having a adult and sexual relationship with a member, a young male member of a prominent family. And she believed that the killing was related to that. I find it very interesting that, you know, not even a month after the killing of Maggie and Paul Murdaugh, the investigation into Stephen Smith is reopened. I just wonder what information they found. And I have to wonder if there was digital evidence, text messages, photographic evidence on a cell phone. They're not sharing. This is pure Emily speculation. But for it to turn around that fast, it must have been something that was open and apparent to law enforcement fairly quickly. So that's why I speculate with regard to a cell phone 
text messages, things like that, because that would be easily discovered fairly quickly, more quickly than forensics or, or things like that. So that is purely my speculation, but it's very interesting given what the mother had said. Um, and I'm, again, so many families are devastated. We have two teens, Stephen Smith and Mallory Beach, who have grieving families. And then we have the Murdoch family that has lost a, you know, a mother in this immediate family, a son in this family, and then a, a father. So all of that extended family has, has suffered substantial loss as well. It's quite, quite staggering, the timing of all of these events. But I hope that the investigation into Stephen Smith's killing really gives some more light because it seems like there was a lot of shifting in what was said. I knew I missed something. So we're going to have to jump back in time because I totally glanced over it in my notes because I was talking about the lawsuit with Mallory Beach. In between the lawsuit of Mallory Beach being filed uh, in March of 2019 and the boat crash in February 2019 was the death of the family housekeeper, Gloria Satterfield. So let me talk about that real quick. On February 24th, 2019, there is that boat crash and an investigation starts from there. On February 26th, 2019, the family housekeeper passes after a trip and fall at the house. The Murdoch family said that she tripped over the family dog and fell. She was in the hospital for a period of time before she passed in a coma. There was no autopsy ever performed. Her death certificate indicated that the manner of death was natural. However, if you followed my other content, you know that we've talked about the five manners of death, which are accidental, natural, homicide, suicide, and undetermined. In a trip and fall, if somebody tripped and fell over something, hit their head and passed, that would generally be categorized as an accidental death, not a natural death, more like a heart attack, a stroke, or something like that, something from natural, like bodily causes, not a a fall, you know, a fall off a bike where somebody passes is going to be an accidental type of death. So the manner of death on the death certificate is sus and raised a lot of questions. Footnote, there's going to be a new investigation into this death as well. And it's going to factor heavily in to the lawsuits that we talk about down the road. So we now have the death of Stephen Smith being reopened and we will get to the timeline where the death of the housekeeper, Gloria Satterfield, is also reopened. So now there are, you know, the passing or the killing, it seems, of Stephen Smith, the passing of Gloria Satterfield, the killing of Mallory Beach in that voting under the influence, and the killing of both Maggie and Paul Murdoch. It is a lot in a very short period of time. And you all are like, wait, what? is happening. Agreed. I agree. I agree. That brings us now into July of 2021. There are court filings that allege a civil conspiracy connected to law enforcement and the members of the Murdoch family related to the boat crash. So that investigation or that filing alleges a civil conspiracy. So the filing is from one of the gentlemen that was in the boat crash and is saying, look, there was something going on. There was no um, there was no field sobriety test taken. 
of Paul, though another individual, a young man named Connor Cook, had a field sobriety test taken on him, though he was not the one driving the boat. The boat belonged to Alec Murdoch. His son was driving it, though Alec Murdoch, we will get to it. We will get to what he allegedly told the the teens when he got to the hospital, but there is a lawsuit filed saying, hey, whatever was going on with law enforcement, were they protecting the family and alleging this civil conspiracy? And that is still ongoing with uh, ramping up discovery motions and filings and what have you. So there is, there's quite a lot that I think is going to come from that July 7th, 2021 civil filing. Before we get into September and quite a lot in October, I want to take a minute to thank the sponsor for today's podcast because sponsors help the podcast happen. And I think that you might enjoy this one. The sponsor of today's show is DoorDash. And DoorDash is a service my family and I have used for restaurant delivery food for ages and leaned on quite a lot during the early days of the lockdowns in Southern California. But did you know that DoorDash has a subscription called Dash Pass, right? You have subscriptions for everything, or at least I do. I have a subscription for music, for Apple Plus, which is like fitness and TV shows. We have Netflix, we have Hulu. We have so many different subscription services. You can also put DoorDash on subscription with DashPass to save money. So if you try DashPass by DoorDash, you can unlock tons of savings. And I've got savings for you today. But DoorDash isn't just for restaurants. Yes, there's over 1,800 restaurants that work with DoorDash, but it's also for things like pet supplies and groceries. And with DashPass, you can get unlimited $0 delivery fees so that you can save more when you buy more. If you are ready to save money on your DoorDash orders, use promo code LAWNERD for 50% off your first order of $12 or more after you sign up for DashPass. That's 50% off your first DashPass order up to a $20 value with promo code LAWNERD. Say goodbye to delivery fees. Get DashPass from DoorDash today using promo code LAWNERD. When you've got zero delivery fees, you're free to get more because you can. Start your free monthly trial today. Look, if you're already door dashing things to your house, Dash Pass is a great option for you. And, you know, I love, I love a $0 <laughs> delivery fee. Look, I do. You just take care of it all at once. It's kind of like, you know, Amazon Prime, but for delivery services. So go ahead and check out today's sponsor, Dash Pass. Let's get back into the legal breakdown. So after that July 7th civil conspiracy filing, something is triggered and the law firm that Alex Murdoch was working for has started to look into what he was up to and um, confronted him. <laughs> On September 3rd, he resigned from the family law firm. The law firm is named P-M-P-E-D, which stands for Peters, Murdoch, Parker, Etzroth, and Dietrich. That is, the, that is the law firm. And you will see when you go to the law firm's website right now, they have a very interesting message still up on their website that says a message to our community. 
the lawyers and employees of PMPED live and work in Hampton, Jasper, Colton, and Beaufort counties. Most of us grew up in the area, attended local schools, worship at local churches, and continue involvement with local civic organizations and charities. We are proud of our community and are distressed by the tragic situation involving our former partner, Alex Murdaugh. The negative attention that this has brought to the community and our firm is regrettable. PMPED is a robust firm with skilled, experienced attorneys who represent our clients with a fierce commitment to obtaining justice. We were shocked and dismayed to learn that Alex violated our principle and code of ethics. He lied and stole from us. Wow. He lied and he stole from us. No member of PMPED was aware of Alex's scheme. When we learned he betrayed our trust, we requested his immediate resignation. We have yet to speak to anyone who was aware of his addiction to opioids. Don't worry. Discussion of that is coming up. While Alex's situation is tragic, be assured that the firm is strong and focused on representing its many clients. We provide legal services locally and statewide. We hold ourselves to the highest ethical standards in handling our clients' cases. Despite the widespread recent publicity, we continue to work to represent our clients with the same diligence and professionalism as prior to the discovery of Alex's misdeeds. The funds taken by Alex will not affect current or future PMPED operations. No client of PMPED will suffer a financial loss as a result of Alex's misconduct. We have read the media reports about the lawsuit and settlement resulting from the death of Gloria Satterfield. If those reports are accurate, we are stunned at what occurred. It is important for everyone to know that PMPED did not represent Alex in that case. His insurance company hired counsel to represent him. Like many of you, we have lots of questions about Alex and what has recently come to light. We don't know the answers, but we will continue assisting law enforcement and other authorities in efforts to find the truth. PMPED is committed to our clients and community. You can count on us to operate our firm in an honorable and transparent fashion. Look, it seems from later lawsuit filings that this firm became aware of an anomaly, investigated it, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes, investigated it, said, this isn't happening, asked him to immediately resign, and then the other partners of the firm made sure that any client funds that were diverted paid them back, and then the firm went ahead and sued Alex Murdoch. This is completely different than what happened with Girardi Keese, and it is, though it is a horrible situation, it is nice to see the other lawyers rally around and say, look, our clients aren't going to be affected by this. We will sue him to get the money back. We are making sure that the clients are made whole first, and that, out of all of this, is just nice to see the way that the law firm handled it. They saw an issue, they immediately asked for him to resign, and then they took steps to correct the issue and apologized to their community and said that they were shocked. Do you believe them? I would love to know on social media, do you believe that they had no idea? It seems that everybody had no idea and and that there is a substantial opioid addiction that might have fueled some of the misappropriation of funds that's being alleged that went on here. And we will talk about that scheme in a minute because in court, when Alex Murdoch is later arrested, his lawyer said, look, he is fighting a 20 year opioid addiction. So while I said that the events of, you know, of losing his son, losing his wife and losing his father all in close time can really cause anyone to struggle. It seemed like he was already 
in the throes of dealing with a substantial addiction and then had all of this go down. I don't know if the things that happened in June 2021 led to a ramping up of what he was doing with the law firm and that led to him getting caught. I just don't know. But it seems reasonable to me that that could be the case. So according to the lawsuit filed by PMPED, he was conf- Alex Murdaugh was confronted the morning of September 3rd, 2021. He was told he was going to resign immediately. This all came to light. I'm just going to pull up the later filed lawsuit. As I said, don't jump ahead, Emily, you'll get lost. And then I went ahead and jumped ahead. This isn't filed until October 2021, but it's only a month different. So I'm going to just pull up because this tells you how the law firm figured out what was going on. And I think that it's fascinating the way that they figured out what was happening here. They say that in, and this is a civil complaint from the law firm of Peters, Murdoch, Parker, Ellstroth, and Dietrich against Richard Alex Murdoch Sr., or Richard Alexander Murdoch Sr., which is his full legal name. Um, In early September 2021, PMPED discovered that during the course of his employment with PMPED, Uh, Alec Murdoch was converting client and PMPED money to his own personal use. His actions were known, were unknown, pardon, as I misread that. His actions were unknown to PMPED until this discovery and these actions were unauthorized by the firm in violation of firm policy and of South Carolina rules of professional conduct and the laws of South Carolina. In early September 2021, the firm discovered that Murdoch had a bank account with B of A under the name Alex Murdaugh DBA Forge, a fictitious entity that provides no services and makes no products for sale. It was further learned that Murdaugh used this account to convert monies owed to PMPED and its clients to his own personal use. They determined that Murdaugh was able to convertly steal these funds by disguising disbursement and settlements as payments to an annuity company, trust account, or structured settlement for clients or as structured attorney's fees that he had earned when in fact they were deposited into the fictitious account at B of A. Again, lawsuits are allegations and shade. This one's not shady at all. This is just allegations, but this is them breaking down. This is what we saw and this is why we're suing. At present time, the law firm has identified certain files in which Murdaugh utilized the scheme Murdaugh knew his actions would evade detection based on his experience with the firm and its longstanding business relationships with Forge Consulting LLC in Columbia, South Carolina for many years, FLC, the Forge Consulting, has provided services to some of the firm clients. These services include brokering structured settlements, annuities, as well as the creation of specialized trust to protect client assets. See, they used an outside company to help their clients structure their settlements when they did personal injury stuff. They didn't do it themselves, which is what it seems Tom Girardi was telling his clients he was going to do. It's like, don't worry, I'll invest it for you. They had an outside company that did brokerages and structured settlements and annuities and created trust to help clients deal with their assets. Look, when you do things the right way, well, someone in your firm can still steal from you, they're alleging. But this it's just... They're really breaking down the way that they took care of these things differently than what we've seen in other law firms. Isn't it interesting? Uh, They say that FCL is an outstanding company that has earned a respected reputation across the country 
In addition, they say Murdaugh was aware that this company provided the attorneys with these services, including structured attorney's fees. Murdaugh was able to use this business relationship in conjunction with his fictitious and misleading business name to draft checks from the firm's client trust accounts made payable to Forge or Forge Consulting LLC and then deposit those into that B of A account that was created in his name with the DBA. They were, the law firm goes on to allege that they were unaware of the scheme until September 2nd, 2021. They confronted him the next day. The next day, they were like, wait, what? You're resigning immediately? I appreciate the the gravity that the firm treated this with, which must have been difficult. This is a family firm. This is somebody who's a, a prominent member of society. And this is somebody that is on the heels of great personal tragedy. It must have been a difficult conversation for the members of the firm to say, we have to do what is ethically right and protect our clients in the firm uh, and not protect Murdoch, which would take, you know, courage. They say that PMPED received a check for its expenses incurred during the course of a litigation, but not a check for the fees that were owed to the firm. Questions regarding the check for the fees owed to the firm failed to produce a satisfactory explanation. On September 2nd, a check was found on Murdaugh's desk with, uh, from the other law firm. According to the notation on the check, it was partial payment for fees at issue. However, the check was made payable to uh, Alexander Murdaugh, not the firm, and it had been deposited into a personal account for Murdaugh, not the firm. This discovery prompted a review of prior, prior settlements of cases that he had resolved. The review showed numerous checks made payable to Forge or Forge Consulting, but the files did not contain the normal documentation that's required to perform the services offered by FCL. So there was none of the uh, documentation that would show where money and tracking where money were going, it sounds like. The firm then consulted with FCL on September 2nd concerning the checks during its review of Murdoch's files. FCL confirmed that it had not provided services for any of those clients identified. Moreover, FCL stated um, that it had never issued the defendant with a structuring of attorney's fees. FCL was not assisting the defendant in his scheme and had no knowledge of the improper use of its name. On the morning of September 3rd, Murdaugh was confronted with the information uh, that the firm had discovered through its review and discussions with FCL. He admitted to converting the monies owed and its uh, to the firm and its clients to his own personal use. They requested the immediate resignation, which was received that afternoon, and that was released publicly. Um, on September 4th, the firm notified the sheriff's office and South Carolina Law Enforcement Division SLED of the suspected criminal activity of defendant, that would be the embezzlement, et cetera. On September 6th, they notified the South Carolina Supreme Court's Office of Disciplinary Counsel of the suspected ethical violations. They immediately retained a forensic accounting firm to begin a thorough review of all of the financial activities of Murdoch during his time there. They go on to say PMPED has reimbursed all client trust accounts who have suffered a known loss as a result of Murdaugh's actions while he was employed and working on behalf of the clients of the firm. It is anticipated that additional information may become known that could lead to more losses to the firm and its clients as it protects its clients' assets. I mean, it seems to me that this firm has handled this expeditiously, judiciously, and ethically and that money that they're putting back into client funds would have come from firm, 
funds or from the other partners who are probably equity partners in this firm. So that's the information we learned from that lawsuit that is filed later. But it gives you a full rundown of what went down within this firm and shows a stark contrast to other stories we've seen of attorney malfeasance that have not been handled this way. So for me, I'm encouraged to see this firm dealing with it um, directly quickly, professionally, and making sure that their clients were not the ones left holding the loss. And then the firm went ahead and sued Murdoch personally. Now, he admitted this to the firm, and his lawyer admits this on Good Morning America. But we're going to get there, (laughs) me, this entire episode. So that's September 3rd. September 4th, Alex Murdoch's shot in the head on the side of the road. Now, the initial story that is released is that he pulled over to change a a tire and someone drove by and shot him. There have since been medical records released. His lawyer has since gone on Good Morning America and said that as a result of that shot, he had a believed to be an entry and exit wound on his head. He had a skull fracture. He had um, a brain bleed. He had oxygen in his brain. He was in the ICU. But initial reports said that he had superficial wounds. But then, but then, but then, but then it's discovered that the person who shot Alex Murdaugh in the head was hired by Alex Murdaugh to shoot him in the head as part of an alleged insurance fraud scheme. Now, the individual that shot Alex Murdaugh in the head has also spoken about this incident on the media and has a different take on it. But Alex Murdoch's lawyer has admitted to this um, suicide for hire scheme, murder for hire, assisted suicide. Is it an assisted suicide scheme? It's It's a fraud scheme. It's an insurance fraud scheme. But at the day after he resigns from his firm, he is shot in the head. I can imagine things not adding up, but also he still has a remaining son And he was hoping that his remaining son would get the $10 million from his life insurance. So I've not only listened when we look at the injuries, I've looked at what his lawyer said on Good Morning America, but there are also other reports that indicate he had a, he did have a skull fracture. He did have two bullet wounds on the back of the scalp. Um, so I don't know. I, some say superficial, some don't. It seems that the medical, um, documentation indicates it's not just a superficial wound. However, he enters rehab two days later on September 6th. And that doesn't make a lot of sense in my, in my brain that he has a brain bleed, oxygen in the brain and a skull fracture and is out of the hospital, out of the ICU, and entering rehab just two days later. I don't know if he left the hospital against medical advice. I don't know if being in the hospital two days was aggravating his addiction. I don't know. But it seems oddly fast to me to be in and out of intensive care and then going into a rehab facility. I don't know the level of medical care provided by the rehab facility. But it seems that someone with a shot to the head maybe would need more medical care. That's just me. Maybe not. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical expert. I don't know. On September 8th, his law license is suspended pending an investigation, shocking, 
Um, now, the lawsuit says that September 8th is the day that they reported this. So these actions are reported, um, excuse me, these often actions are reported on September 6th and on September 8th. He is suspended while they are continuing to investigate. I imagine that a disbarment is coming. I think that that's the least of Alex Murdoch's worries, but I believe that that's on the way. On September 13th, state police opened an investigation into uh, what was going on at the law firm with regard to the money malfeasance. On September 14th, Murdoch confesses that the shooting was an assisted suicide plot to ensure the $10 million payout for his son. He says that Curtis Smith, who's a one-time client of Murdoch's, um, was the one that did it. That individual is charged with the shooting and charged with assisted suicide, conspiracy to commit insurance fraud, and insurance fraud. Murdoch's lawyer said that Smith was Murdoch's drug dealer and that Murdoch is struggling with an opioid addiction. Smith said on the Today Show, because everybody is on TV talking about this, because why not? Because that's how things play out now. We get real-time information by seeing it play out on television. Smith said that he interrupted Murdaugh's attempted suicide and the gun went off, but that he didn't actually shoot Murdaugh. Murdaugh's attorney said on Good Morning America that that's not true, that this was a suicide, an assisted suicide plot for insurance fraud, essentially. On September 15th, a criminal investigation opened into the death of Gloria Satterfield and the handling of her estate. Here's the rub on that. Her sons file a civil lawsuit against Murdaugh and other attorneys. The sons allege in that lawsuit that Murdaugh told them which lawyer to hire, again, which you shouldn't be doing, but told them which lawyer to hire after she died at their residence to deal with the wrongful death lawsuit. They later discovered that the attorney that he referred them to was his bestie and his college roommate. So that attorney, Corey Fleming, was brought in, this is one of Murdaugh's besties, to sue Murdaugh over the death of Gloria Satterfield. Murdaugh's insurance allegedly paid $505,000. The sons never got that money. It is believed that that money has been kept by Murdaugh or given to Murdaugh by Corey Fleming, but those are allegations there is other monies that are being investigated with regard to that. And Corey Fleming factors into some of these other cases as well. It seems that when this is speculation, this is what it seems to me when I'm reading through this, that Murdaugh would regularly refer people to Corey Fleming, knowing their relationship and making it easy to resolve things. Um, and that wrongful death case did resolve for a payout from the insurance company and um, from Murdaugh himself. But I imagine that would have gone differently, maybe if the attorney suing him was not a friend. Just speculation on my part. On September 16th, Murdaugh is charged with insurance fraud, conspiracy to commit insurance fraud, fraud, and filing a false police report. He is arrested. He is brought into court. His attorney makes a statement about his extensive uh, opioid addiction. He posts a bond and returns to rehab in Florida. September 20th, I mean, the, the look, this timeline's extensive because stuff just keeps happening in this case. September 20th, Connor Cook files a personal injury lawsuit against 
those involved or they believe being involved in the boat crash. That includes the store that sold the, sold the alcohol, the clerk that was working at the store that sold the alcohol to Paul Murdaugh, Richard Murdaugh, Richard Murdaugh Jr., and that's for owning the boat, um, letting him use the license, et cetera. And that case is pending alternative dispute resolution. But Connor Cook is one of the other individuals that was at the boat. Connor Cook also is the one that shared that you know, Alex Murdo was at the hospital and was like, you guys don't say a thing. Uh, let them figure out who was driving. Don't say who was driving the boat, et cetera, et cetera. On September 23rd, a motion to be relieved as counsel is filed by attorney Dan Henderson of the PMPED law firm. And they are later relieved as counsel in the Mallory Beach wrongful death case. So the law firm, PMPED, had been representing Alex Murdoch in the wrongful death case with regard to Mallory Beach. September 23rd, after all this goes down, they make a motion to remove as attorneys for Alex Murdoch, and the court lets that happen in early October. Then, on September 27th, a motion for civil detention is filed, and this is fascinating. It's like, arrest him until we get the money. A motion for civil detention is filed against Alex Murdoch by the sons of Gloria Satterfield, asking that Murdaugh be arrested until the funds are paid back. Super interesting um, motion. Not everywhere can you get a motion for civil detention, but South Carolina, you can. They list it as a priority, a priority matter and say that Murdaugh introduced the sons of Gloria Satterfield to the attorney, Corey Fleming, whose job it would be to bring the claim against Murdaugh. Murdaugh did not tell the sons that Fleming was Murdaugh's former college roommate and had previously worked with Fleming when he was a young attorney, and that he was, in fact, godfather to Murdaugh's son, Paul. Fleming was engaged for the purposes of representing the estate of Gloria Satterfield and making civil claims against Murdaugh. The sons are the sole heirs of Gloria they say that in the fall of 2018, Fleming, the attorney, advised the sons that they would be better served if um, Tony, one of the sons, ceased his role as personal representative of the estate. And if that role were entrusted to the vice president of Palamento State Bank, Chad Westendorf, as there would be business issues that arise that were beyond the son's experience. Tony and Brian trusted Fleming and agreed to renounce their right to serve as personal representatives in favor of the individual from the bank. On December 18th, Westendorf was appointed um, in the probate court. They then alleged that in a filed petition, Fleming and Westendorf, the now representative of the estate, sought court permission to access a partial settlement of the claims against Murdoch on the sum of $505,000 while reserving the right to pursue additional insurance coverage. That is applicable to this matter. They then go on to say that through mediation in March 2019, Fleming was able to secure an additional settlement of $3.8 million. Neither of the sons served as the personal representative. They did not participate in the mediation and were not informed of the final settlement. All wrongful death settlements in South Carolina are contingent upon court approval. No wrongful death settlement may be achieved without court approval. As a result, the parties to the wrongful death settlement agreed conditionally on the terms um, and thereafter petitioned the court. And then they attach all of those petitions, but continue to allege that the sons never got um, those monies. So it is a very interesting matter where they are trying to have him held until those monies are turned over, until those monies go to the beneficiaries, which are her sons. So it's just insult uh, to injury with regard to 
that settlement that they are alleging that they were essentially pushed out and then never told of the final settlement. And it was all just handled behind the scenes. You know, it seems like they are alleging a gentleman's agreement behind the scenes to just handle everything. On October 6th, Murdaugh is sued by his law firm. That's a suit we went over just a few minutes ago, um, alleging the conversion of the funds and breach of contract, listing out how they've handled this. I think did a good job listing it in the lawsuit for everyone to know, look, we're taking care of it. On October 9th, the law license of Corey Fleming is suspended in connection to his work with the um, estate of Murdaugh's housekeeper, Gloria Satterfield. So the... South Carolina Supreme Court is now looking into all of these connections, and I'll be interested to see what they do. On October 14th, Murdaugh is arrested in Florida on two more felony counts um, of obtaining property by false pretenses in relation to the alleged misappropriation of insurance funds from the death of Gloria Satterfield. So now there is a criminal investigation into that as well. On October 15th, Murdaugh's lawyer goes on to Good Morning America, and the link will be down below in the show notes, and says that Alex has done things that he regrets, including the financial transaction issues and hiring Smith to kill him. And then he really leans into the fact that there were injuries when he was shot in the head. And I think, again, the injuries, the timing of the injuries are confusing to me, but also I don't know if if the murder for hire plot or the suicide assisted suicide plot is the biggest problem here. You've got client funds, you've got, you know, literal actual orphans who lost their mother working in the house who are not getting paid. You've got a wrongful death lawsuit with regard to Mallory Beach. You have a numerous lawsuits going on with regard to Connor Cook. And then you still have all of the investigations going on now into the death of not just uh, Alec Murdoch's wife and son, but also with regard to Stephen Smith and with regard to Gloria Satterfield. So there are four, well, three open death investigations and multiple, multiple lawsuits. I'm just, I'm blown away by the entire thing. And as I go through more of these legal documents, I will keep you updated on what's being alleged, on what happens with the civil conspiracy claims with regard to Connor Cook and and the police agency's actions after that boat crash. Let me know what questions you have about this case. I'm sure there are so many. I still have so many questions, but at least now we have a rundown of the timeline of where we are up until October of 2021, and I will keep updating this case as I am really interested to see what comes out of the reopened investigations and with regard to the civil conspiracy. Those are the things I'm really looking into. Of course, I expect that Murdaugh himself will be disbarred. I expect that he will go to prison for multiple of these counts. And I really do feel for his remaining son who is left with this kind of shattered family and left really on his own with a dad that's heading to prison and his mom and his brother who have been killed with an ongoing murder investigation. It really is uh, tragic all the way around for so many who have lost so much in connection with this family. Let me know your questions. Thank you for being a law nerd. And that's, that's it for this one. Raise a glass and join me. May your Wi-Fi be strong. <laughs> may your toilet paper be plentiful. May your families be well. And may the odds be ever in your favor. Thank you for being here. And thank you for being a law nerd. Talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs> 